When it comes to booking in time with your prospects, we want to reduce no-shows and cancellations. We want to make sure that the right prospect is speaking to the right AE at the right territory and right time zone. Also, we want to reduce those no-shows and cancellations. That's exactly what Chili Piper's booking platform can help you do. Chili Piper are the official sponsors of the SDR Disco Call show. And if you want to check out more, head over to chilipiper.com forward slash happy. Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello, all you happy podders, listeners, subscribers, and fans. Welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call Show. Today, I'm really excited for this guest, and I was also very sorry to this guest a few months ago um, because they actually reached out to be a guest and their emails got lost in our inbox. And then when I was going through the inbox, I came across a lovely email from a lady called Molly. Uh, and I read it and I felt so bad that I reached out to her, asked her for a forgiveness, and then we got her on the show. So, uh, guest, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? Hi, guys. I'm Molly McManaman. I am um, an ADR at Unmind, and we're a mental well-being platform, a cultural change platform for uh, mental health and well-being. And we help leaders create psychologically safe environments and engaged cultures to empower employees. Love it. Absolutely. And just for those that might be unaware, Molly, what does an ADR stand for at Unmind? Yeah, it's account development representative. So um, I'm it's an SDR, but working strategic accounts. Ooh, I like that one. Um, so with yourself, Molly, uh, where are you based in the world? Yeah, so uh, I've just recently moved down to London, um, although right now I'm in Amsterdam, so <laughs> the um, joy of flexible working. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, yeah, reside in London. <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much. And where do you originally hail from, if you don't mind me asking, Molly? Yeah, I'm from Manchester. Um, yeah, up north. <laughs> up north. Love it. All right. And as a gentle reminder for our listeners and watchers, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, we'd really appreciate your support by giving us a like and a rating. Uh, and also, if you want to leave a voice note for our guests, if you check the show notes in the podcast at the bottom in the description, you can leave us a voice message. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you like, comment, subscribe and share to help get Molly's word out there. So Molly, with uh, us obviously connecting a few months ago, again, thank you so much for sending out your email and apologies it took so long, but we are now finally here uh, and being an ADR and mind. And what we like to do for our watchers at this point is share our screens and head over to your LinkedIn profile to get a bit of an insight as to who are you kind of and you know what experience have you had as well. So you're somebody uh, that has a colorful LinkedIn profile. I can see that you're somebody who is actually quite active on LinkedIn. I'd love to pick your brains on that a little later on. Uh, but if we look at your experiences, um, it started way back when, when you was an au pair and nanny. 
You've worked for Browning and Price Pubs Limited. You were an SDR for E for Enable. I got it right this time. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, you were an SDR at Champion Health. You took a career break doing some voluntary work, and I'd love to learn more about that as well. Uh, and most recently, you've been an ADR or an account development representative for the last four months at Unmind. But Molly, in your own words, could you walk us from the beginning to like, how did you get to Unmind? Yeah, of course. Um, God, quite a long journey now. Um, so, um, at school, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I wasn't incredibly academic and really struggled to, I guess, find a place and navigate what I what I wanted from life. So um, I didn't go to university and I um, went to Australia for a year mm. Um and the, my natural reaction was to find somewhere that housed me, fed me, and um, gave me a bit of money to go out. The bare necessities, right? A week. <laughs> so um, being a nanny ticked all those boxes, and it was really like an incredible experience. I'm um, quite maternal, I like to think, I suppose, and mm. um, that taught me a lot from being straight out of school and with the responsibility and accountability for a job in the smallest sense it was really good um so yeah that was in Sydney I came back and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do and so I went straight into hospitality I've always been a bit of a foodie and um at that time 18 years old loved drinking so going to <laughs> work in a pub yeah. um was the kind of the next step towards that but I think working in hospitality I think it teaches you to be hugely resilient and mm. working long hours and hard graft putting up with often Complaints. challenges and, and problems that are not your fault and having to deal with them face to face customer facing so yeah. um yeah that was really good did that for a few years and then it didn't really provide me with I, it's terrible to say that money is kind of an indicator of what you want, but mm. I definitely was um, reaching for more from my life um, in terms of quality of life. And so I knew someone in recruitment, um, Lucy Obatelli, you might actually know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's at um, Allego now. Um, yeah. She did me really a solid favor and got me to um, a recruitment day for SaaS platforms and other recruiters. Yeah. So uh, I went to this day and there was all um, people who were fresh out of university looking for their first graduate roles. And I obviously hadn't done that. And so standing in a room full of people who were wearing suits and um, were walking me through their business management degrees. And mm. um, it was quite daunting nerve-wracking and yeah a little bit um I did I felt very out of place and so I stood up and I we all talked about why we're there why we would be good for the sales role why would we be be a good recruiter Mm. and um Kate Lewis at E4 Enable I I stood up and I said (laughs) um well I've been traveling I work, I've worked in hospitality. I can talk to anyone. And because I've been traveling, I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. So if you want a hard worker who <laughs> is like willing to learn, then like you've got me. And um, Kate just yeah pulled me out of the crowd and said, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I love that. 
So I'm going to pause you there for a second because that's some really great insights and there are a lot of things that I can resonate with uh, that point as well. So, you know, not having the university degree is something I had and, you know, I always wondered if that would work against me. Worked in hospitality, used to work for Pizza Hut, used to work in a fish and chip shop, dealing with customer complaints, angry customers, orders, having to work with a team. And I, you know, agree with you, right? It teaches you a lot of fundamentals that will help you out, especially in this sort of gig when you're interacting with other people. Um, you know, similarly growing up, having no idea what freaking I wanted to do with work or stuff like that. I just know that I wanted to earn some money. You know, it is a common denominator at that age because you don't want to be asking your parents for cash anymore. You want to be independent. You want to go out for a drink. You want to spend that money and, you know, just have it for yourself. That's what you want to do, right? There's no problem with with that at all. Um, but what I really liked is, you know, you had help from somebody that worked in recruitment. So shouts out to Lucy. Um, I really want to get mm. her on the show. I've really tried for the last couple of months and it's been really hard. So maybe you can help me out there and do me a solid favor. Um, <laughs> and, you know, what I loved was you're in a room with these people that had done their business degrees and they're talking all about this. <laughs> and you then yeah. stood up and you just kept it real about who you are and what experience you've got. And we always ask the question, like, how do we stand out? And I think being true and authentic to yourself is the best way forward. And, you know, you've demonstrated yeah. that there. Well and I wonder, you know, when I was in a room with 20 SDRs that had had degrees and lived, lived tech and SAS for a while, I felt like the outsider. And I remember being in Foster City in Cali thinking, like, they've got the wrong guy. I don't think I should be here, you know, and they're going to find out about me and they're going to oust me soon and I'm going to get kicked out and this is going to be so embarrassing what I'm going to tell my friends and family. Like, What thoughts were going through your head like when you was in that room and you know you was comparing yourselves and what would you say to yourself now like going through that? Yeah, I think I just felt like an imposter and I don't think that ever leaves you really feeling like you're out of place and if you're not, feeling out of place you're not in a growing environment either so I think it's it's good to have a little bit of that feeling but at the same time if I could like say to myself now being in that room I would say do you know what you wear your Doc Martens with pride whilst everyone else is in there with (laughs) their expensive suits on and I yeah I'd, I'd just say the more authentic you are the more true to yourself you are, you're going to come across more, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just More just like you. Yeah. You're going to sell yourself in the best way. I I agree Um, because I think, you know, they say people buy from people. And, you know, in order for you to be authentic and just be yourself, that's what, you know, people buy into as well. And it's a question that I've always asked, like people sometimes say, Neil, what makes, you know, happy selling different or what makes this podcast different? And it sounds arrogant at first, but I'm like, me is what makes it different, you know? Yeah. Because I've experienced what not nice is and then trying to be that nice guy or that happy, positive dude, because that's what I am. That's what makes it different. So coming back to you, uh, so Kate sees this young Molly and like she takes a shine to her. What, What happened next? Yeah, so I had just the most unique and amazing opportunity to be like the first salesperson at E4 Enable, which is a sales coaching platform. Mm. So um, 
the best place you could, the best environment you could be in, working directly with the CEO and being exposed to some really great sales skills and a great coaching format. And we were also going through the pandemic, mm. so it was quite a confusing and, and scary time. And like kudos to Kate because I had no idea really how to do a sales role let alone do it through a pandemic and she still it really showed the importance of building trust with your employees building a coaching culture and then like they will then trust you and be loyal to you and I think I had that really good relationship with Kay where we then started to build something that was really tangible yeah. and um and yeah it was lovely so that and led me to that oh, sorry, that, because uh, you're you're working in a space and it's something i really want to ask your opinion on as well so you're working for e4 enable it's a coaching platform to help sales professionals you're somebody very mm-hmm. you know new to the role and to the industry and you've got this great leader that's helping you especially in a pandemic which was not easy on anyone right yeah. um and with a lot of sdrs there's a difference between managing and coaching you know, helping reps to become the best versions of themselves. And I've been victim to this where, you know, thinking as a manager, right, this is our sales process. These are our leads. This is how we prospect and, you know, reach out to people on LinkedIn. Go book me some business. At that point in time, I think that's enough. That's training, right? That's showing them how to do the job. But then I know coaching is a completely different thing of, you know, asking you how you do it and like, how are you finding it? What are you struggling with? Or, you know, let's do a role play on this and stuff like that. For an SDR, what's useful in managing and what's useful in coaching? How do you define it and what's useful for you, Molly? Yeah, I think the coaching side for me personally was giving me the freedom to a trial and error what was working for me and how I was individually going to be successful and see those results for myself to then help me do that consistently and sustainably. But then at the same time, we were, we were a startup and figuring out what was working for the whole business as well alongside that. You've got to have a coach who is, it's, it's a mentorship. Mm. It's a, it's a friendship. It's, it's got to be, it's got to be everything. You've got to have a, a lot of trust in each other that you're going in the same direction. Um, and the, the management side, I've never, well, I've had one opportunity that probably we would lead on to next yeah. where I've been in that situation where I've come from a company whose coaching structure is the the highest quality to then having absolutely nothing. Mm. And when, when that coaching element, it was really interesting for me to see that when that coaching element was not there anymore, how everything else kind of crumbled around it. So my motivation to, to sell was just gone. Mm. My trust in my colleagues had gone. My trust in, in the solution that I was selling had gone and once you've lost all of that, you are then no good to the company and they are no good to you. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it's interesting how that, that coaching piece is actually 
the living and breathing function in sales. Yeah, no, hundred no, percent. In my opinion, that's yeah, not, no, definitely. And again, like, not really, yeah. For in my personal experience, yeah, for sure, it is because at the end of the day, it's the individual people that are doing this role, the support and help that they need to be successful. Like a manager's job is to make their rep successful. A manager's job is not just to hit KPIs and hit revenue targets, right? Um, and like you said, it's through trust. It's through giving you the freedom to trial and error, um, but also, you know, giving you a framework of okay, what are we doing operationally day to day? But also the nuances between that of you know how do you call, how do you email, how do you handle this objection? But also like having a, a sanity check with your SDRs to see like how are you feeling about this role, how is that going for you? You know, yeah. and it's kind of like I've said in other episodes. Um, <laughs> as a sales manager, you're an element like a sales therapist. You know, you want to make sure your reps are cool and that they're happy in what they're doing because if they're happy, then they're successful with it. But yeah, if you're fulfilled, I think is like a really good word to that slots into that. If you're fulfilled with who you're working with, with how you are working, mm. with the direction that you're working and and the products, like you, you're creating like a recipe for just a huge amount of success in your in your working life, in your your in your metrics and yeah it's it's all we're looking for really yeah, isn't it 100 <laughs> percent. and you know like it'd be cool to understand when you made that transition and you went into somewhere where you didn't have that original support you'd come from you know making this leap into tech sales and living this sdr life and that wasn't there what was going through your mind because i would assume either two things are going to happen you may say this isn't for me this isn't you know not just the company but just this role and maybe this isn't the career the way that I planned it to go. Maybe I'm going to go do something else. Or maybe it's a case of, you know what, I'm going to try and make this work as much as I can. But then you get to a point where you realize it's not working and you may have to look elsewhere, but you still want to do this thing. Where was your head at, Molly, when you was going through this? Yeah. Um, I, I think I originally made the leap to go from sales coaching to into mental health tech. And I think... I had maybe underestimated the difference in market mm. and the mental health tech market is completely saturated. Mm. And I thought that maybe the startup skills that I had brought or been taught would then transfer into um, a different startup when actually that was the case to a certain extent, but not to maybe the role that I had been sold. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's tough. I've forgotten the question you asked me, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's cool. It's just like to simplify it, um, you go into a company where it's not up to scratch as to what you expected and how you wanted it to be. Was your mind in a place of, all right, let's cut this career altogether and just go do something different? Or do you know what, maybe try and make this work and then look elsewhere for another position in another company? Where was your head at? Yeah, I think it just it was super obvious to me that I needed that coaching structure. And so it actually, it didn't put me off being in the mental health space. That's something that I am passionate about. And that's one of the things that I value myself on is that you've got to be doing something in your life that feels vocational, but it's also going to give you that that salary behind it as well and that and um the money side and so being in the mental health space it was never going to put me off I was just a bit gutted that it hadn't worked out 
um, naturally as you would. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. But um, it kind of fueled me to then look for the right role and then kind of be really calculated in what my next role was going to be. Mm. And actually my values changed then from having a decent salary and having remote Mm. working to actually what coaching tools are you using? <laughs> what <laughs> what does your coaching structure look yeah. like? Um, how what are, what are the metrics looking like? But how how often are people hitting their targets? Do you do um, do you do culture days? Do you do you, everyone, does everyone go out with each other? Mm. Like it became very different and outward of me, but co- the coaching had to be centered towards what what I was looking for so yeah it was actually quite liberating mm. I, did, I, did, I felt less shallow the more I looked <laughs> for these roles <laughs> I love that and there's so. there's two points on that that I'm really glad that you said so the first point of you know your values had changed and I think this is something we should always reflect upon and take stock of because you know every couple of years or through different experiences our values do change So as a young professional, we may think, you know, money, career progression or being able to afford that deposit on a mortgage or, you know, being able to travel to certain places or have nice material things that we want. But then as we go through different experiences, we're like, right, how much job satisfaction does this give? How much does this make me happy in the work that I do when I wake up in the morning and I go to and enjoy what I'm actually doing as well? And, you know, like, for me, my values when I was an SDR was I just wanted to do better than what some of my friends were doing. Um, I wanted to have good money and get myself out of debt that I put myself into a hell of a lot. And I wanted to feel some sort of validation. You know, I was always seeking validation when I was younger. And unfortunately, sometimes I still do it now, right? My girlfriend always tells me like, yeah, that's one of your insecurities now. Uh, And I'm like, cool. But, you know, when I went into launching my own company, um, I wanted to earn more money, but I wanted to be more comfortable. I wanted to provide for my son. uh, And I wanted to seek validation from the industry that Neil is a verified sales trainer and coach. And over the years, I've now not needed the validation so much so more. It's just as long as I get people telling me they've enjoyed what I've done for them, makes me happy. You know, as long as I've got Mm. enough money to pay the roof over my head and look after my son, I'm happy. Right. And if I get to meet new people, those are one of my values. I love networking. I love socializing. Right. Mm-hmm. So values change. So I think it's a very important thing that you've mentioned that, you know, your values had changed. And then the second point, <clears throat> uh, you know, when you've taken stock of what you're not happy with and now what you're looking for, you are qualifying those companies like an SDR does. Right. And, <laughs> you know, like a tip to all our listeners and watchers out there is like when you're going for these jobs, Every job that I've ever gone for before, you know, launching Happy Selling, and I even do it now, like with my business and clients that I get, I qualify them, right? I figure out, do I want to work with these people? Are they nice salespeople? Do they have a good company culture? Does the VP get on with the SDRs, you know? And every job that I used to go into, I used to go on Crunchbase, check out what CRM they're using, because if they were using anything less than Salesforce, you ain't got money. I'm I'm not going to work with you. If you're not using something like an outreach tool like Sales Loft or Outreach or Apollo, whatever it is, you know, I'm not yeah. going to do it because you're not there yet. Um, and yeah, so for, for you, like you said, it has to be the coaching thing. You want to figure out what the company culture is like. Is this a good environment that you're going into and is it structured and supported, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is it going to help you grow and be the best like person for, your, for yourself? And I think it's if 
them as an employer are doing everything they can yeah. to make you your best self, you're then going to have that. It's all built around trust, isn't yeah. it? And you're then going to work hard for them and um, show up authentically and collaborate with people and and be your best self. It's yeah, amazing what happens. Hell to the all yeah. aligns. <laughs> Um, so again, like, you know, like you've gone through this period of your life where you're trying to figure out, okay, what the hell's going on? And before you came to a mind, like looking at your LinkedIn profile, you did a voluntary piece of work and a career break and you got to travel. Could you tell us what yeah. that story was about and like what led you there and, you know, what you experienced? Yeah. Um, so when I left um, Champion Health, I... I was obviously feeling a bit gutted that it hadn't worked out and I was kind of as you do when it's kind of a bit traumatic you go through is this right for me where am I going in my career what am I doing yeah. um kind of having a bit of a meltdown and I had the opportunity to go to Kenya um for a couple of months and just give myself a bit of headspace to look for the right role whilst I was there and take my time applying and so I could give my full self to these interviews um and so yeah whilst I was there it was actually it, uh, the best thing I ever could have done mm. you know when you're feeling slightly sorry for yourself you the best thing to go and do is go to a country which are a third world country mm. and these are like some of the happiest people you you can be around they they have quite literally the basics that you need in life mm. and I'm there crying about the fact that I don't, I don't have a job that I want or they didn't work mm. out the way I wanted it to but they don't get a choice in what job they, they get whatever they whatever is there they will have it happily and they will do it with like the best that they've got I just it, it was just so it was so inspiring to me that actually I was complaining over something that was really not a problem mm. and to just be grateful for every experience that you're given, whether it's good, whether it's bad, and let it teach you a lesson and then help that drive you in your next adventure. Like it's a luxury to to have an option of jobs that I'm applying mm. for. So yeah, it was fantastic. And I just went over and started doing this project on um, period poverty and and um, sexual education and um, in the northern region of Kenya, which was wow. so cool and so fun. And it was, I don't want to say that I was helping them. I think it was actually the other mm. way around. I really and truly, I, I needed that more than they needed me there. Mm. <laughs> I was just doing the data around it. It's fantastic. Would recommend. <laughs> Absolutely love that. And that's so amicable um, doing that cause. And, and you're very right. I think sometimes we can get so caught up with what we could call first world problems, right? You know, not having yeah. certain luxuries or necessities and it can really bum us out. Um, and I've always learned the case of the best way to help yourself is by helping others. And mm -hmm. like going back to a period in 2019 where I hadn't had any work, uh, I lost my only client because of the pandemic and I had about five or six months where I had no work. And during that time, I was like, right, I'm either going to go bored or nuts or go, you know, mental in my own home alone because of, mm. you know, lockdown and being stuck in four walls. 
that I just started like jumping on Zoom. So anybody that wanted career advice or, you know, anybody who just wanted to chat because there was a lot of people that were going through mental health challenges of being alone, including myself, you know, and I'll just chat to these people and they'll be telling me what's going on in their life, what's happened to their family and all these sort of things. And I used to sit there and think, rah, you know, I've got the roof. I'm cool in health. My family all fine. My son's like well as well. Like I don't have it as bad. And it's not to dismiss, you know, the problems that we have in our life because things do happen and we can get angry and and, unhappy about it. But, you know, going to another country where you said people didn't have a choice, you know, they don't have those luxuries or choices, yet not having all those cool things that we have, they're very content with the life that they have. And that in itself, I think, Molly, can be very humbling. And, you know, uh, like you eloquently put, they were more helping you than you helping them like you know that, that's that's yeah. beautiful without a shadow of a doubt without yeah the the it was refreshing for them for me to see that to or to to feel that it's not it's, when you see it seems quite colonial for a, a a white girl to be going over and and thinking like white savior complex mm. and i think that's it's got quite a bad reputation for it but to feel it the other way around was absolutely astonishing i love it yeah Yeah. i can't wait i'm going back at christmas oh really oh that's so cool what what are you you going to be doing when you go back um so i've got some friends out there but i'm going to go and visit um the the place at the trust that i was working at and see all the people that i was working with um, and the, the women's development program that I was specifically working on and see how that's going. And it's, yeah, Love it. it's going to be exciting. Well, look, we're, we're always in the habit of trying to help people. What is the name of the organization or that, that, that those people, because I'd love to put some links into our show notes if anybody wants to learn, but what, what's the name of them? Yeah, of course. It's, um, Mount Elgin Trust. Mount Elgin Trust. All right. Yeah. So definitely after this show, if you want to send me the links, we'll put them into our show notes so that if anybody wants to learn more about it, click away. Of course, right. will do, for sure. How exciting. Wicked. <laughs> um, so obviously, like, being out in Kenya and, you you know, you had this break and then you come across this company called Unmind. What's the story then? How mm. did that come about? Yeah, so I was just kind of putting feelers out um, into the industry on uh, – I love LinkedIn. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I do everything through LinkedIn if possible. Um it's quite terrible that cold calling and emails are my least favorite task. Mm. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. So I um, was putting my feelers out on LinkedIn for different kind of sales leaders within the industry. And um, one of my friends referred me to Unmind. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, yeah, they said that they had um, like a senior sales development role coming up because I was kind of that in-between stage between an SDR and and an AE and a junior AE. So um, I didn't want to go back to being an SDR and that's quite niche. It's a hard role to find yeah. for. So um, yeah, put the feelers out, ended up getting um, an interview with Unmind and I, I actually got it within two weeks. I can believe how quickly wow, it happened when I planned to be out in Kenya for, for <laughs> four months. Yeah. So um, that was quite a shock. <laughs> to tell them that I would be able to start for, for three months, mm. but, but for a good cause. Um, 
so yeah, but all through the power of knowing and connecting with people, it wasn't from um, applying on um, like a job site, job or anything like that. Yeah. It was all through networks. So oh, I love that. So we'll come back to one mind in a minute, but there's this you know interesting piece where you know through the power of your network you got this introduction and a referral, like the one, only 11% of salespeople will ever ask for a referral. And you can ask referrals not just in a role, but in company, Mm -hmm. in guests, for a podcast show, for business, anything in life. You can always ask for a referral, always ask for it. Um, And then, you know, you get this introduction through there. And then you kind of went on to that point of, you know, you use LinkedIn for everything. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like calling and emailing aren't your favorite channels, which is fine. You know, everybody has their strengths and things that they like to play towards. Um, Because there may be a lot of SDRs that are listening to this show where they're like, you know, I want to get more active on LinkedIn, but I don't know where to start. Or I don't see LinkedIn other than just a job board. You know, some people just see it as that. Or some people may be thinking, you know, LinkedIn, I see a lot of people talking, but I don't know if I could add any value to it. How do you use LinkedIn and what do you find most powerful? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to when I was working at E4 Enable when it wasn't just my my job as a salesperson to to sell the product. Yeah. It was actually we needed to, it was a branding role. We had to get the name out there as much as possible and when I think about it, what did I want my prospects to be seeing when they got a message from me do they want to see someone who's just got a a gray emoji of a person who doesn't post anything they're not going to understand so I was talking to Kate about it and I was just kind of like spiraling ideas I'm like what can I do to post relevant content like I didn't really understand what E4 Enabled did at this point it was all still quite confusing it's a complex platform yeah. and she was like you need to like the trick to LinkedIn is combining the personal with the business mm. so you can relate your personal life to sales and to what we're doing you'll you'll never have a problem with what to post and since then it's just been quite easy to then when you're in the habit of making connections between your personal life mm. and then seeing how that transpires in sales and seeing how that transpires in how you work and the relationships that you build. And I think sales is quite good for that. Mm. Um, so I try and keep that in mind. And I often find myself looking for things and just coming across and like, oh, that's really interesting. Like that, <laughs> I can relate that back to a LinkedIn post. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, one thing that kind of keeps me tippy, ticking over at least um, with content, but also having that, the prospect in mind, like what do you, what do they want to see when you, when they first come to your profile? Like you want all the stats around knowing your, not knowing your prospect, the prospect knowing you as a thought leader yeah. is actually what's going to convert them more. Mm-hmm. And so doing that as much as possible is, um, it's good. what's going to make you at least successful on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, for sure, it's what's helped me. Even in the first couple of weeks with Unmind, I don't think anyone else really uses LinkedIn as much as maybe I have done, and that's probably because I've been in SaaS and um, it's hard to sell sales directors and you've got to try all these wild and wacky ways. Um, 
but yeah, the there's the the connection piece, yeah, I would say. Definitely. So like you're saying, making things relatable from your personal life into a business context. Um and obviously coming up with ideas of what to put out in content and what do you think your prospects want to see so that you seem knowledgeable and, you know, potentially like a thought leader within that space as well and getting them engaged with it as well. And I agree with you because a lot of the time when I used to post on LinkedIn, I used to have this mindset of, okay, this is personal stuff that goes on Facebook. This is business stuff. This goes on LinkedIn. And I would never gel the two worlds together. But I think when I went through the pandemic, and I was like, LinkedIn was the the uh, the virtual office that everybody could log into and stay connected and feel like they're part of something other than just sitting in your PJs all day long. And I just started seeing more and more personal posts from SDRs and from everybody in my network. And some people begrudgingly said, oh, this isn't Facebook, take it off. This is LinkedIn. This is a professional site. But I'm like, but these are real people and these are real lives. And the reason we resonate with things is because we are people as well and we can relate to those things and we get it. Um, So I started to come up to the mindset of, you know, do you know what? If I've had a down day and it's peed me off um, and it relates to like how I feel like in a sales process, combine the two things together. How do I get out of that funk, you know? Yeah. Um, And then to the next point where you're saying, you know, giving stuff that people want to see as well. So I used so here's a tip for anybody. This is what I'm testing out on LinkedIn and TikTok at the minute. I've only just converted nice. to the dark side of TikTok. <laughs> Gary V made me do it. But I was speaking to this uh, French SDR this week, uh, Benjamin Frisch. So Benji, if you're, you're listening in, he said, Neil, I've seen that you've just launched your own TikTok profile and I'm loving the content and I'm following. And I said, oh, great, I've got a fan or I've got a follower. And he said, could you like, maybe we could set up a call and you can give me some hints and tips. And I just said to him, I was like, dude, I've only been doing this for six weeks. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just putting content out there. And we sat down, we was looking at my TikTok account and he's seeing all these videos. And I said, here's the bits of advice that I got from somebody. He said, I've got an Instagram page which talks about my podcast and the SDRs and this show. And somebody told me, don't talk about that on TikTok because you've got it on LinkedIn and you've got it on Insta. Keep this as something different. And he said, when you're speaking to the camera, everyone on LinkedIn wants to talk because they're talking to an audience of 3 million people. But you want to make your post as if you're talking to specifically that person that is watching the video. So it makes it feel more personal to them. And then this other guy gave me a bit of advice. He said, Neil, like you've launched your own company. You've launched multiple SDR teams over the last 10, 15 years. You've got a lot of knowledge and you've got a lot of experience. Talk about those sort of things. You know, like what's it like to do one-to-ones? What is it like launching your own company? That's yeah. the stuff people want to get to know. And Ben, and I said to Benjamin, I showed him and I showed him all the engagement. I said, look, it's still yeah. early days. And he says, how long does it take you to record a video? And he was like, a minute. Wow. How do you do it? And I said, because I'm stealing ideas from LinkedIn. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, you know, when you go on LinkedIn and somebody puts a post about a sales topic and they ask you to comment into, like comment in the comment section or give your thoughts and engage it because they want to get their post engaged. And I said, rather than me replying to the post, I'll make a video about it. So if somebody said, you know, like, what do you feel about cold calling or emailing? Somebody would write stuff on there. I record a video about it where I say, do you know what? Some people like emailing, some people like emailing or f- calling. Me, I love video prospecting and the way that I do it, I use Vidyard or I use Teller or I use Loom and I record a 30 second video where I have in a hook about one problem, talk about somebody that solved it and then ask them the call to action as to how they want to do it. Done. And I just upload it onto TikTok. And then I found that's just how I'm doing it. So every time I see an idea on LinkedIn, like you said, 
I just make a video about it and I'm testing that out on TikTok as well. So yeah, and that's stuff people want to see, right? You want to make content that people want to see. And I've realized my engagement on TikTok is much higher than it is on LinkedIn because of that mindset. So good. I think it's really like helpful because all of these platforms, they say social media, but I don't know if you're anything like me. I learn so much from the people that I follow and actually like moving that into LinkedIn as and obviously for you, it's a bit different. It's marketing and all that mm. kind of thing. But as a yeah. thought leader, if you can get your prospects engaged with everything that you are posting. So I will often post stats from Deloitte reports and Josh Burson and um, and Aon and you're actually and you are also the closest to their competitors and so if you're speaking mm. you are literally sharing the most unique knowledge um, that they're going to be after and that puts you in a hugely unique position um, as a thought leader to then build re- build relationships build rapport with them know that you're close to their competitors you've got insights that they don't and. Yeah, it's a, a strong start for for converting a lead. So even if it's not, even if it's in a year's time, two years time, you you've got to play the long game. And yep. yeah, Hell not yeah. rushing into it, I think. But hundred percent, and I, I love like you know um, mentioning like having unbiased sources. So what I mean by unbiased sources for our listeners and watchers, it's not related to your company or your product but people like Deloitte, John Burstyn, like all these HR influencers as well, mm-hmm. um, if you're able to quote stuff, because this is the stuff they probably read day to day. And if you're able to get a snippet and bring it to their attention, they're like, oh, okay, this person seems knowledgeable and credible in the space. They know about my industry. Yeah. That's what helps bring in that bit of rapport and relationship building as well. And the fact that you do that, I love that. Yeah. So my challenge to you, Molly, is maybe in the coming weeks or months, Rather than just a post, maybe it's a video post. Or if you want to get on TikTok and follow Happy Selling, <laughs> do that and then put out posts like that and see what it brings you. Yeah, I'm not um, sure I'm that creative, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if we can tempt you. Yeah. Um, but as we're coming to the end of our show today, um, it's been great having you on. Learned a hell of a lot and I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for that. And also thank you to our listeners and watchers that have been viewing this chapter today. But Molly, um, what three bits of advice would you give to a young Molly all those years ago, an au pair who didn't really know what she wanted to do when she came out of like going into the work world, going to Australia and trying to figure out and standing up in front of Kate and all that team and those business suits? What three bits of advice would you give to that young person? Gosh. Um, Take your time. There's absolutely no need to rush. And trusting that I read something once and it's stuck with me and it's that every every opportunity that you get is a bus stop Hmm. and it's not the destination so you've got to just keep going and stop at every bus stop and just understand that it's you're not going to be there forever but it's going to lead you to the next one um I think that was actually Jeff Risley. I don't know if you follow him, um, but he's uh, fantastic on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, trust the process, take your time, and not not every bus stop is the destination. 
I absolutely love that. That's some sort of, and I, I really like that because I genuinely believe in the whole, you know, there is no final destination, it's about the journey. Mm. And that's the most beautiful thing, part of life and, you know, career and everything like that. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, like you said, there is no rush to it as well. Yeah. Everything will happen at the right time and unfold the way it should do. Um, so Molly, it's been, thank you so much for that advice. And are there any mm-hmm. shout outs that you'd like to give today? Um, yeah, let's get Lucy Obertelli on. Um, it's been a while since I've spoken to her, but <laughs> get her on. You can give me the referral, appreciate <laughs> it. And then let's try and get some unminders on as well. Um, Laura Cheese Wright is a great one. Uh, Katie Doherty and uh, India Thomas. Absolutely love that. Well, shout out and happy selling to the team. Uh, and yeah, if we can get Lucy on, that'd be great as well. Awesome. But Molly, uh, and to the listeners and watchers, thank you so much for being with us on this chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. And a gentle reminder that if you'd like to connect with Molly, we're going to be putting her LinkedIn profile link in the show notes so you can connect with her and pick a brain on any questions that you may have but molly uh have fun in amsterdam safe travels back to the uk and most importantly happy selling thanks neil thank you so much for listening to our show today If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. 